Put your hands together for the late morning program with your host, Nam Ross. Hey, Gopika. Hey. Welcome on the show. This is weird. <laughs> I don't think you've ever shaken my hand. <laughs> Um, so welcome to the show. This is uh, the late morning program with Nam Ross, and uh, this is episode ten or eleven. And I'm super excited to have Gopika on the show. Gopika Kanta Devidasi. She's my old friend. We grew up together in Iskand of New Jersey. Yeah. She works very closely with um, with adolescents in uh, Sunday school, mm-hmm. and you're also a teacher. Yeah. So uh, I really am super interested in the topic of, um, you know, bridging that gap, uh, as you wrote in your article, which we'll uh, connect with later. But for, uh, first, uh, tell us a bit about your upbringing. Like, how was it growing up as a devotee? How was it uh, going to public school? Mm-hmm. Same as me. Yeah. We all we exactly. all went to public school. We didn't go to guru. We're public schoolies. Yeah, we are. Not guru coolies. <laughs> and I also have her husband here behind the camera, Aksh. Uh, hello, Aksh. Hello. <laughs> Aksh also works very closely with the children uh, along with yeah. Gopika, so he has a lot to share as well. Um, so he can, uh, you know, uh, chime in when he wants. Um, so, but please uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and and like that. Yeah. So. Um, and talk to the mic into the mic, please. Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, I grew up in New Jersey, obviously. Yeah. And the town that I grew up in was extremely white, non-diverse. I mm-hmm. think it was just me and my brother and one other Indian kid in our school. So that was my experience at school. And you know, when I was younger, I actually was excited about bringing Krishna into school. Like I had a picture of Krishna that I would keep on my desk and like say a little prayer before I took the spelling test and. You know, my parents would sometimes come in on Diwali and bring all the Gujarati snacks and explain the tradition. <laughs> I would wear Indian clothes, and it, and it was a point of pride for me in the earlier childhood years. But um, I, I also encountered a lot of negativity in public school, a lot of teasing for my name, for the types of food that I brought for lunch. Um, back then, vegetarianism wasn't a thing. Veganism wasn't a thing. So... I have this distinct memory of being in third grade and it was around Thanksgiving time and all the kids were like, you you don't eat turkey on Thanksgiving? <laughs> like, how come you don't? Like, how is that even possible? So, like, what do you do on Thanksgiving? You just don't eat turkey? It was, like, the entire class ganging up on me and I remember the teacher had to, like, come and rescue me and be like, oh, this is her beliefs. Like, leave wow. her alone. Wow. But um, it kind of snowballed to a point where... I have this moment, I remember it exactly, in sixth grade, it was an indoor lunch, meaning like, you know, we had to play in the cafeteria because it was raining outside, and something had just happened, and another kid had said something nasty to me, and I stood there, and I said into my head, I was like, okay, no more Krishna at school, this is too hard. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, nope, I'm not going to bring him up anymore. I'm not going to talk about my culture anymore. I'm not going to talk about my religion anymore. School is just going to be school and a temple is going to be temple. And because I can't take it anymore. I'm tired of it. So I'm just going to not bring attention to the fact that I have this whole different thing behind me that is a significant part of my identity. I'm just going to separate it. Wow. Yeah. Very interesting. Hmm. So then, uh, so you were in sixth grade, and then you yeah. said no more Krishna. Yeah. And uh, but how was your life as a? In, you would go to school, uh, Sunday school. Yeah, I mean, I love temple. I mean, we did those dramas together. Yes. Right, Prahlad, Nishing. I mean, Nishing. Yeah. I mean, memorize the verses, you know, help to run the festivals and build all of those exhibits that we did for, you know, all of the festivals and, you know, participated in all of the temple activities and all the youth programs that were happening at the time. I mean, Mm. we went through a lot of different youth, but I was totally in and I liked it. And I don't think I necessarily disliked Krishna consciousness at any point. It was just a completely separate thing than school right and then so going up to college and everything was still separate so that's when things started changing like in college my freshman year i went to Rutgers, right and um aksh and um 
another one of his friends, Shama Kumari, mm -hmm. but she was another devotee who had grown up in New Jersey at right. Rutgers. They had started a local bhakti club. And so I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm just going to go to the first meeting. And I, I didn't even think anything of it until I was at that meeting. And Aksh started to lead Kirtan and gave me a pair of Garthals. And I was looking around and seeing all of these Western white folk around. And I'm like, wait, I'm going to tell other people that are not part of the temple that I'm a devotee? Like, I can't do this. So I just like I was like no 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 this is not this is not gonna happen this is not how I've lived my life like other people don't know that I'm a devotee this is how I've survived right so I just passed it on wow and you know that was a moment of me of beginning to really reflect on do I want to choose this lifestyle for myself because right. now you know when you're in college you're living in a dorm and. You don't have the backdrop of the morning arti that your parents do every day and just the whole thing that you take for granted, the Krishna conscious background, going to temple every Sunday, that kind of gets taken away and then you have to make a decision. Well, do you really want this for yourself? Because mm. then you're going to have to pick up the bead bag for yourself, not just because there are other devotees around and everyone else is chanting. Right. Yeah. So, so. You, you, you studied education in, in college, in university. I didn't actually. Oh, you didn't? No. I, um, I studied biology and psychology. Okay. It was a double major. Okay. And um, I was... I wanted to be a teacher, but yes. I went through that whole thing where I felt a little shaken with everybody telling me that I should be a doctor, you know. Right. <laughs> you were valedictorian of your class, right? Thanks for broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's cool. I think that's amazing. But, but um, I mean, that what you just said kind of brings me to your article you wrote uh, that was um, circulated on Dandavats and other news sources about... Um, the title was Bridging the Gap, right? Um, born and not bought in. Born and not bought in. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, wanted, I wrote a quote down, which I really liked, that could kind of maybe you can discuss. So that moment forced me to confront the chasm between my lives, <clears throat> the true internal problem of a double life. Mm -hmm. My two worlds collided, and I had no idea how to handle the crash. I may have been born into the movement, but as yet I had not confidently bought into it super yeah. super fascinating and i think a lot of people can relate to that because yeah. you know you you're born in the movement but you have to buy in to whatever yeah. the philosophy is or some people don't some people yeah. don't buy in and and so and then they can you know uh, stray away or go in another direction which is also fine but uh, i think you know what you wrote at the end of the article that we have you know it, it's so much harder to uh, maintain get someone new than than to um, someone who's already been a devotee to get them going. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, some, I agree that with that in, to an extent. But also, I think it's harder sometimes as well to. Yeah. Is don't you think so? I mean, because you work with Sunday school people, uh, t uh, adolescents right now. Yeah, I do. So tell me your experience about uh, what you wrote in the article and like putting that into practice. I mean, so. I, first of all, I had no idea that the article was going to go on Dundavuts. I didn't write it for Dundavuts, really? actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it does. I know you don't, you didn't write it, but it, it, but I guess someone saw it and then they... I wrote it um, on request of somebody else who was working on a little project for ISKCON Ministry of Education, and they send out like a little journal to their little small group of people, really oh, okay. unknown group, and it was just, hey, we're doing an edition on secondary ed. Can you please write and submit something. I, I need to fill up the journal. So <laughs> nice. we were like, okay. And then um, somebody texted me from Austin saying, oh, I really liked your article on Dundavuts. And I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't write an article for Dundavuts. <laughs> I go on Dundavuts and I see my face there. And I'm like, this is strange. For people who don't know, Dundavuts is is the Hare Krishna like news outlet. One of the main, yeah. one of the main, and they won't post my, my podcast. Anyways, that's another topic. But I had a feeling you were going to bring that up. <laughs> Especially because you posted one day before. <laughs> Dundam wants to post it. And then the next day, it's like, Gopika's article is posted. And I'm like, God, novels hate me right now. <laughs> so I just want to clear it up. I didn't intend to put it on Yes, Dundam yes. Bus. No, that's fine. That's okay. fine. Yeah. Um, so that article was actually based off of our experience. Because um, what we realized was the experience of a second generation kid is so unique 
growing up. Their yeah. needs are so unique. I mean, they're not really part of one culture. They're part of two cultures. Yeah, so totally. bringing that together and how to do that and how to help them do that is a completely different type of education than standard, you know, what's kind of seen as Sunday school in the past. So we've just been experimenting mm -hmm. for the last five or six years with different methods, with different activities, with different discussions mm. on how they respond and what they need, and also really involving them in a conversation of, you know, what would they like to see to keep coming them to Temple? I mean, our goal is how can we maintain connection, authentic connection, from the time a child starts school to the time a child goes into college? Can we maintain an authentic connection, not just an obligatory connection of, I go to the temple because my parents go to the temple, but I'm really just on my phone and I'm not into it, but whatever. Mm. What, has, what has worked, do you think, so far? I mean, actually, you can chime in as well if you yeah. want as well. Absolutely. So um, a few different things. Um, number one, showing relevance of Krishna Ganja's philosophy in their life. Because oftentimes, you know, when they go to the temple, most of our temples, I mean, I can speak for New Jersey because, you know, I can't speak for all temples, but it's very Indian and it's from a different generation, the people who are in charge of a different generation. So it can come off to be kind of ritualistic. Like we right. go through the motions of doing arti and, you know, saying the prayers and, right. you know, but that ritual often doesn't look like on the outside that it has a lot of relevance in our daily life mm. now when you begin to unpack it and get into the core principles and values of our movement and our philosophy there's so much relevance mm. but to kind of uncover that and unpack it so um let's see you wrote some in your in the article about some of the activities that you did yeah that i one i remember was the one about the candle and building something with Legos. Yeah. Uh, what was that one about? Yeah, so that was on a Bhagavad Gita verse, um, the one that the mind is like a lamp flickering in the wind, okay. something along those lines. Yes. I can't remember the exact translation. But um, we wanted students to grasp this idea of, in their lives, what kinds of things would help them with their mind. And how can they visualize that the mind is kind of crazy and flickers like the wind? So mm. it was like, I, yeah. was, I was a little risky. <laughs> but we are, yeah, go ahead. Actually. No, I was going to say that I think it's the windless place, right? Oh, yes. So it's like, how, how does it become windless? And yeah. So the idea was the Legos can help them, yeah. you know, represent and visualize like what, that, what they need to build a windless place. So right. we gave them a candle that they could <clears throat> see that the flame was flickering so much and then yeah. we gave them a bag of legos and we said create a fort that will make a windless place for your candle right and you can you know you have 10 minutes and here are your materials and go mm. and so they were experimenting and doing all these things and then we kind of like tested it so like i took a folder and like i made wins for their life and we tested the effectiveness of their forts but the real learning came afterwards when it was like okay well how does this activity relate to your life like if the mind is truly like that flickering lamp like what does it take to actually create a windless place and then from there they were able to come up with so many lessons like you know well maybe practice like if we had a chance to do this over again we could have learned from our mistakes or the fact that we were collaborating with other people you know, my idea wasn't good, but they improved upon it or just different lessons like that kind mm. of emerged from it. So it was very hands-on. It was very engaging and it was something where they could practically make a connection from a very strong philosophical point of controlling the mind to their lives and what it looks like. Right. Another one I remember is that you asked them, who are you? And they said, um, oh, right. oh, we are the spirit soul. We are not the body. You know, that kind of yeah. memorization type thing. Yes. And then you said. Uh, Prove it. Eh, right. Tell us, tell us about that one. And then you had uh, science, devotees come as scientists. Oh, yeah. Was that this, part of the same? Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah. So that that's kind of another strategy that we use is is calling them out on their game. And what I mean by that is. What I've observed is devotees that can gen kids really get good at just doing what they need to do 
to not have to work hard with regards to exploring the faith. Right. So they will learn the verses and they can parrot the philosophy beautifully right. that they get the claps and, you know, if they give a presentation at a program, all the, all the devotees are like, so wonderful. <laughs> they know exactly what to say, but right. on the inside, it's like they can't, they're not really owning it for themselves. Right. So we kind of catch them in their game. That's awesome. Which is why I was like, okay, fill in the blank. I'm not this body. I'm the unanimous soul raise your hand if you believe in this mm. <laughs> right they all raise their hands and then and then i go prove it and then they're like that was the look it was like dead silence and then i was like but wait a second so you're telling me that you've been in krishna consciousness for 12 years that's over a decade you all just told me that you believed in this but you don't even have a reason as to why you believe in this i was like hmm I was like, I, I assume that you knew what you were talking about. I invited these businessmen and these scientists to come meet you because, you know, you guys are, like, representing our temple and our philosophy, and then they, like, start getting scared. I mean, these are sixth graders. Right. With older kids, they'd probably be like, whatever. Or yeah. they might just play along anyway. And so then, you know, I was like, well, you better come up with some reasons why you believe in this because you're going to have to defend this to them. Right. And so then they start to get into groups and they start to explore and they have difficulty they do because they've never actually thought about why they believe what they believe they've mm. just repeated it they've mm. never thought about why it makes sense to them so you know as a teacher or facilitator you can help them right give them ideas or examples it's okay to kind of support them and help them but then we had you know local devotees kind of wear a lab coat or dress up in a, a suit and tie and when yeah. they come into the door you can see the kids faces relax because they, they know, know they know them but they also they're like also bought in at this point to the whole like simulation so they're all like ready and they like start fighting with them and debating and it's just it's practice for them as to i can represent what i believe in and it's okay if I don't do it perfectly. It's a safe space. I'm not going to be judged for it. So if they do come across a situation, you know, at school where someone is asking them or questioning them on their beliefs, then maybe they won't be caught off guard for the first time. They've mm. already kind of like tried to articulate it. Right. So that's kind of another strategy. That's that's great. Uh, I, I always found it fascinating about <clears throat> like kids. I mean, our temple demographic is mostly indian so so uh, like people who came from india their their parents like your kids that you teach their parents are indian from india yeah. so they're brought brought up here so they look indian they have indian parents and indian culture but they're actually very american because they yeah. they grew up here Absolutely. like we did like we yeah. did so we had to buy in we had to bind into the philosophy also. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 it simultaneously scares me, but also I'm hopeful for the future because of what you guys are doing. It's like fantastic work. I, I really admire you guys for doing that. Um, but it's just, it's also scary because yeah. you don't know, you know, because constantly we're, we were bombarded with, you know, Western people and culture not that that's bad but you it's whatever your environment is all most of the time is what you're going to be like yeah. right so you only get a few hours on a yeah. sunday so Absolutely. how do you deal with that how do you deal with that getting i know you must do extracurricular things as well like with the kids trips and things yeah. and whatnot but tell us like how would you how do you deal with that I mean, I don't think we found a, a solution. I mean, we talk about that a lot. And when we meet with the parents, we're actually, we tell them up front, we only have your children for an hour a week. They go to school for 40 plus hours. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I mean, I can make the most creative lessons in the world and I can work so hard, but even that may not be enough because they're in another environment. So I think to your point, like, one of the areas of work is actually going to be with parents, you know. Okay. And sometimes what happens with the Indian parents is because their generation, they take a lot of comfort in the ritual, right? right. Like just doing the ritual itself, it gives them that sense of connection and meaning. Yeah. It's different for the kids. And I've heard a lot of kids, they'll, they'll kind of complain or, or express frustration that if they challenge their parent on a ritual like well why why are we doing this or why yeah. are we doing that yeah the parent doesn't have a satisfactory answer mm. like the parent themselves haven't 
like dived into the meaning okay. behind the philosophy or the ritual. Like, why do we do arti or why should I believe this? Or why is Bhagavatam the most supreme ultimate authority? Like the parents have that faith. So they kind of just accept the ritual and their culture, but because they haven't gone deeper, they struggle in explaining that to the kids and that wow. causes the problem to like exacerbate a little bit. Cause now the kids are like, okay, you're not giving me a good reason. So right. oh, go to the temple if you want, you know, have you lost any Okay, lost meaning? Have you lost, lost in touch or have people have kids kind of not have uh, decided that this is not their path? I'm not sure a hundred percent. Because I think these journeys are very complex. Mm. And sometimes a, a child may float away and then, and then come back. Right. And at the end of the day, like something that I'm realizing in this position is their commitment to Krishna consciousness has nothing to do with me, really. It's their journey with Krishna. Right. I'm just an instrument or a servant on their path. Mm. So I can do something and it, it may support or I can... I cannot do something and th that child may still, you know, commit to Krishna. So it's, it's not like these methods here are the foolproof solution, right? Mm. To like kids committing to Krishna consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, everyone has their own unique path. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you were, you were a committed member of ISKCON in the sense of you're initiated and, and, yeah. and, and you, you know, you've taken those vows. And so how did you come to that? Yeah. Tell us how you came to that because now you're trying to do that for others. So, yeah. but we want to hear your story and and after after you, Aksha's story as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, in college, rewinding back to that moment of like playing cartels and I didn't want to play, mm. I started really, really like questioning whether I wanted to to make like dedicate my life to this faith. Like, yeah. is it really going to bring me something? Like it's just so hard to be a devotee and function in the world. Like so it was, it just kind of felt like, would it be easier if I didn't have to worry about chanting my rounds? I didn't have to explain everything all the time. Like, mm. you know, but, um, I was kind of grappling with those questions. And in my freshman year, we went to India as a family and my parents, Guru Maharaj, um, Radha Govinda Maharaj was giving a Bhagavatam Gata in mm -hmm. a small village in Bihar and thousands and thousands of people came. It was this huge mandal and it was like filled with all these people. Right. And, you know, Maharaj is sitting on this huge stage talking to all these people and he at one point was speaking about I think it was like Uddhav visits Vrindavan and he's meeting all the Vrindavan um, residents and talking about Krishna. Mm. And so at one point in the Gatha, when Uddhav is speaking to Nanda Maharaj and Yashoda, Maharaj just breaks down, like sobs. Mm, wow. Not just like one tear, like sobbing. And like I'm sitting in this Gatha amidst like thousands of people and I see on stage this this grown sadhu has so many followers just like sobbing mm. because he's like relaying this part of the Bhagavatam and it hit me in that moment that whatever's on this path is so deep because like what else could cause a man to sob tears in front of thousands of people mm. like there's got to be something so deep to be experienced like I want to experience it and I might not have everything else figured out but I'm gonna I'm gonna follow this path and wow. So from that moment. Yeah. That was a very deep moment for you. Yeah. Wow, that's that's really amazing. And then from there like a crucial part of the journey was participating in the bhakti club and having to be a leader for the club when you have to be the face mm. of a philosophy all of a sudden there's like that tension of okay, I better figure out what I'm saying, otherwise I'm gonna be like fake and you know, there's mm. that discomfort. So I started really with the help of, you know, devotees who were kind of coaching us at the time, um, starting those questions like, why do I practice bhakti? Like let me ask myself that. Like yeah. why am I in this? Yeah. What do I believe in? What don't I understand? What doesn't agree with me? Like let me wrestle with it and get my questions answered. And that was kind of the beginning of me committing and, you know. Did you have certain people in your life that you went to for when you had those doubts and questions? Yeah, absolutely. That's super important, I think, right? For Totally. I mean, the, I, uh, in some way, the, the your kids, you could be that for your kids, right? Do, do they come to you with doubts and things like that? 
Sometimes, but not all of them. Right. I mean, I think that we, what we've learned is you can't impose that. Because the more that you try to be that person for them, it's more like off-putting. Yes, of course. Yeah. So I think, and in the beginning when I got into the service, if I'm honest, like I definitely had that desire. Like I want to be that person for the kids. Like yeah. everyone wants to be that person that they confide in. And yes, you know, but over the years I've, I've been trying to work on, you know, that's, it's not effective, number one. And number two, it's not really serving them. It's just serving myself. Right. So sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they tell us about their life and sometimes they don't. And I think that's kind of the tapasya of teaching teenagers is you may get some reward. You may get no reward. You know, mm. their ability to reciprocate, you know, their teenagers, it's, it's totally unpredictable. Right. No. Aksh, tell us about your uh, uh, buying into the... I, uh, not buying in, but how you... Um, I, I keep using the term from the article. Uh, uh, when you kind of committed to... Journey, like like yeah. your wife did, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, um, I was thinking it was a different order, but kind mm -hmm. of the same steps in a certain way. So, I uh, first um, went... Um, honestly, I was more on autopilot. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, I didn't consciously make a decision like her to split the two worlds, but it was just on autopilot, like school was school and temple was temple and you kind of just lived that way. Um, you know, one big thing in my life was, you know, in high school was when um, the whole like, YouTube thing started happening and then um, I got, you know, flooded with all of this like Einar Prabhu Kirtan stuff. So he's mm. like a big Kirtanier in Iskand's history. and. So he impacted my life greatly. I mean, I would say he saved my life in high school. Wow. So, <clears throat> I, you know, I knew what I, I had like a purpose. I had like something that I was doing. Um, but then that was, again, though separate totally from, from, from school mm -hmm. um, or from my outside life. And then um, I had this one time where um, I had a friend who um, was, again, born here, um, Indian family. Uh, nice Gujarati family, nice Gujarati boys, you know, went home after school and we've, we had gone home with him to do a group project at his house and there was a package at the front of the door so he goes, picks it up and he's like, guys, you guys go sit on the living room, I'll be right back and I, of course I was curious so I followed him which right? <laughs> is so creepy now that I think about it but I followed him in his house and basically, he took that package and he was kind of trained by his parents to offer everything. It was like a gift that he got. So then he, off, he would offer it to the altar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, that's really cool. So, I, so then as I'm like kind of walking out there, they had like a little temple room, like a closet almost. As I'm walking out, I see like a bookcase. And of course, right away, there's a book that looks familiar and catches my eye. And it happens to be the Christian book. Yeah. So it's like kind of that silver... And with the B, and I see the BBT logo, and I go, oh my god! Now it's like the, again, it's like that clash. Two worlds. <laughs> like this guy has a BBT book, you know, he's a good friend, and I could say something. Yeah, I could be like, I know this book, y'all. Like, where'd you get it or whatever? But um, but that day I felt like a failure because I could not, I could not come out to to him and and to the group mm -hmm. that like I. You know, hey, I like I I couldn't admit anything, and I actually wanted to hide that part. Um, and I remember that impacted me so much that when I went to college, um, mm -hmm. there was kind of this almost like I, I was so frustrated. That I was like, "There's no way I can do this anymore. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna do this anymore. Like, I did it in high school, but like, not anymore. Like, I have to just be who I am. Right. And it might be that." I might not be cool with certain people or whatever. I don't know what people will think, but we're going to take that risk. And it happened to line up with this opportunity to start the club and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that that was kind of like the motivation almost to start the club was like, I just want to be one person. I don't want to have to feel like I'm, I'm separate. And um, so that was the third part, which is like the club. And then ultimately, you know, some of the stuff and particularly that sacred sounds event which yeah. you know it was in a way like validating because being like second gen and going through all this and kind of being like um you know not knowing if like what you do is really valuable to the outside world but when mm -hmm. you see people outside of your faith 
seeing so much value in it. Yeah. What secret sounds? Um, well, specifically for me, some of the earlier ones, like 2009, 2010. Uh, but I mean, what is it for the oh, viewers? Yeah. It? yeah. It's a fa it's a something oh, you guys put on, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, sorry. So yeah, it's a um, it's kind of like a yeah, big kirtan event. Uh, An event, yes. Yeah. yeah okay. And, and uh, about six, seven hundred people at that time had come. Wow. Yeah. And so, and you know, eighty, ninety percent. Um, college students. College students and Western crowd in the sense, like not culturally aware of what kirtan is. Right. So people experiencing it for the first time and just kind of being a part of creating that experience for them, but then also seeing how that impacted them. Yeah. At that time was kind of like, yeah, like, what was yeah. I so afraid of this whole time? Like, you know, people love this. Yeah. So I like, I remember for Sacred Sounds, like, I, I stood on a chair while everybody was dancing, and there's, like, hundreds of college devotees dancing. And, like, when you see this entire room of all the, all these kids dancing and students dancing, then you're like, whoa. This is powerful stuff. Yeah. And it's hard to experience the power growing up, I think, as a second gen, because you've always just had it. Mm. It's always in the background of your life. There's never really been a time that you've been without the Maha Mantra. Yeah. So to see the power of it in action was definitely part of the transformative journey. Right. Say. Yeah. Um, what, something I had to, wanted to ask was, where were your parents when this kind of transition before and after was happening were they like were they a part of it were they not a part of it at all were they letting you kind of do it on your own because i think uh, the viewers can who might be parents or they can kind of um learn from what you guys you know observed from that side from looking at your parents and what they were doing yeah um my parents were more a little more hands-off with the internal stuff mm. but what they did really well was give me the space to do what I needed to do right. for example in college when I was really questioning and answering things and at the time I didn't really feel as connected to our local temple and I didn't feel satisfied like I was getting my answers there I wanted to go to the Bhakti Center a lot for the Sunday classes there mm. at the time there was a Sunday Bhagavatam class and I really liked the speakers and I was feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm getting something from this. Mm. And, you know, part of my parents were, like, annoyed. Like, why is she going all the way to New York? Like, right. you could tell they were annoyed. But they let me go. Like, they dropped me off to the train station. And they would pick me up if I were to go to the Bhakti Center. They kind of didn't say anything. And they happily let me, um, you know, express confidentially to these other devotees. They didn't let, like, they didn't prohibit me from having these open-hearted relationship with other mentors in my life you know because sometimes parents can be protective but I think my parents just were trusting in mm. that and they kind of just let me have these relationships with the other devotees who were guiding me and just gave me my space to kind of explore yeah on my own I mean again I think the the internal part was maybe harder for them to be attuned to yeah much but um, I mean, my parents, my mom cooked like almost every week for Bhakti Club right. and all this other stuff. So they they were very supportive of yes. whatever we felt we needed to do. Um, so in that sense, I'm grateful. What do you think, um, like for p parents who might be listening or who are new parents, or what tips can you give them t to um, help you know do the best for their children in mm -hmm. that way as when they get to adolescent or what do you even communicate to your parents of your children now if if you do yeah absolutely well first of all i'm not a parent right. so i i take that with a huge um anything that i believe or feel could be totally wrong because i feel like i i don't i haven't really stepped in their shoes completely but right from the outside some suggestions might be um Number one, to never dismiss a question mm. regarding Krishna consciousness. And if you don't know the answer, it's okay to be honest and say, I really don't know, but let's find out together. That's a really good question. We should know why we're doing this rather than no, just, just accept it and just follow along, you know, never dismiss it. And then the second thing is to actually intentionally look for places to bring the outside Western world into the home and connected to Krishna consciousness. So, for example, like, 
all of these current events that are happening, like, we don't have to shun them and not talk about it. I mean, our kids are experiencing them at school. They're discussing them in their classes at school. Yes. So we can discuss them in the home with the Krishna conscious lens and challenge our kids as to, well, what, what should a devotee believe about, you know, the this case or this election or this whatever? Like, mm. what? how should devotees feel? And there isn't really right or wrong answers there, but I think conversations like that make the point to our children that it doesn't have to be two worlds. Like what you're right. hearing out there is very relevant to Krishna consciousness. And then I think the third thing that comes to mind is keeping pulse on the child's connection to Krishna and to the faith. Because sometimes what happens is our kids are really talented, you know, the, the kids that we have in our movement, they're supremely amazing, mm. supremely successful. And they're going to invest their time where they feel value. They might even be overachievers in school and doing this, that, or the other. And like as parents, sometimes I see parents feeling really happy and proud, like my kid's doing so well at school, X, Y, Z, A, B, C. And that's a really good thing. But also to moderate that and make sure there's a connection and help them balance their spiritual life like are there spiritual components and if not you know having that open dialogue with the child of okay well how are you feeling about Krishna consciousness or chanting around like what's going on like not being afraid of mm. having those open conversations you know so I guess that's what comes to mind that's really that's really fantastic I mean the only thing I would add is um, I think um now, looking back, there were certain things like, I, you know, I sat and was forced to memorize verses and um, this coming useful now, but also, <laughs> also you know, um, maybe there were also more opportunities, I think, to, um, for me to form more personal connection with what I was trying to do and the meaning behind it. I mean, this gets to that point of the article about meaning over memorizing because yes i have it written right here it's like such a thing that um you know we we applaud kids when they say the verse in front of the gita janti yeah. yeah dude i love right. that <laughs> i love watching it now seeing the kids squirm <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, it, but in a way i mean I, I, there's a good part of it but yeah no of course the part is we're putting into their head that that's what you um you know are uh, being rewarded for you yeah. know, even if someone leaves a great kirtan, we go haribo, yeah. haribo. I mean, again, not that that's bad. I mean, that we should be encouraging, but we should also encourage. We should make it cool to, you know, be yeah. deeper in Krishna, or to have a connection, or you know, to have, to know why you do what you do. Yeah, I think that part of it is is still. Um, you know, something we can work on more probably as a society. It, something that struck me, what you said about um, sometimes even the parents aren't completely convinced. Yeah. So how, I, that's worrying because then that just, like you said, it, it's kind of just keeps the cycle going. I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily completely convinced. I think parents are convinced. Convinced, okay. But, but I just don't think that, like culturally... What I found is sometimes, especially Indian parents, can't articulate why they believe what they believe. They to just, the children. They just know they believe in it. Right. They know it makes them feel connected. And they, ha they have those deeper feelings on the inside, but they can't articulate as to why this makes sense and why they should represent it. Which is why sometimes, you know, even when we try to share Krishna consciousness with others, sometimes it doesn't work out because the articulation part and how you can really present the message, it comes from that very deep understanding of how our philosophy is relevant in today's day and age. So I don't think parents lack the faith. I think it's just the ability to articulate. And even like for parents to reflect on their own journeys, like why did I choose Krishna consciousness? They know how they chose Krishna consciousness. They got a book or they started going to the temple or some devotee. But why? Like, what made that? What made them dedicate their life to this? You know, a lot of them don't articulate or tell those stories. Do you think you know? it's because it's such a cultural difference between Indian and American? Because their kids are American, yeah. on, uh, like you know, honestly, they're American. So it could be the reason. Um, we'll come back to that. But also, I wanted to also kind of talk to you about this event that you re you guys recently did. Oh, right. The career um, yeah. career fair? Yeah, college conference. College conference. Yeah. I went to it. It was fantastic. Um, 
so tell us the premise or the idea behind why you guys started that and what it is yeah so basically we um we started teaching sunday school about five six years ago so we have this cohort of youth that we've been working with and now the this cohort was they're starting college or juniors and seniors in high school so really our journey has been supporting their needs over the last five six years like what do they need this year what do they need this year so this past year a lot of them have been kind of talking about college and careers and expressing angst about what to do and just the confusion amongst it and right. there really is so much pressure around making those decisions in this day and age so we just thought why not kind of leverage some of the talent that we have within the movement to come support these students in making the decision this is an opportunity to help them bring together the two worlds or show people that are bringing together the two worlds rather than they go to their counselors or, you know, this mm. and that on the outside. But, you know, Temple has nothing to do with this very personal, life-changing decision. Yeah. So we decided that we're going to hold a conference in the Temple. And we very intentionally chose the temple yes. as a place of a conference, a professional conference in Iskon of New Jersey, Tawako Temple, because we wanted to send the message that Iskon is not just a ritual religion. It can be something that supports your life in a very deep way. Amazing. And so based off of that spirit, um, we brought in speakers um, to kind of speak to how you can go about finding your dharma and balancing the material and the spiritual and some tips to practically go about doing that. Um, and then we had a panelist of, you know, people who are going about blending the material and spiritual in different ways, who are kind of further along in their career to kind of look back and give advice. And we also then had a networking session. So now we're at a point in our movement where there are a lot of second generation devotees who are very successful mm -hmm. professionals yeah. and have gone through school and doing amazing things and are living their life happily as Krishna conscious devotees in the professional world. So why not use the connections that we have inside our ISKCON family to help these kids rather than make them feel that they don't have anyone in the temple to help them and they have to go on the outside. Yeah. So we had a whole session on networking and helping them to understand how to network with other people and the Krishna conscious principles that could actually support their ability to authentically network. And then we let them meet all these devotee professionals, one of them being you, but... You know. I, I, was, I was really kind of... It was weird for me, the kids coming up, like, what do you do like, on the, like when you're not at the temple wearing a yeah. dhoti and playing Radonga? What else do you do in life? And I had to like, kind of explain it. It was kind of strange, but it was, it was cool, though, because yeah. it, it, I, think it's, uh, I think it's powerful when they see other people, other devotees living regular... So, you know, regular lives and the outside professional lives and whatnot. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was a community building, too, yes. you know, like yes. you said, because on a Sunday feast, a high schooler is typically not going to come talk to you and say, Namaskar, what's your job? Yeah. Like, you're not going <laughs> to do that. Yeah. But, like, allowing them to have some real human conversation. I mean, even one of our friends um, was mentioning to me after that, after 20-something years, she had no idea what my dad did. And for the first time, she like found out what my dad did. Like Sometimes in devotee communities, we don't even know who each other is like yeah. on a deeper level. And yeah. I think our careers and professional lives are really important parts of who we are. They don't need to be divorced yes. from our Krishna conscious life. So, yeah. And then the second part of that day was actually bringing in the parents because... Oh, we okay. didn't want to like separate the parents from this conversation. So the parents had sessions and workshops on how to support their kids. And the parents also had an opportunity to meet all the professionals in the room. So they could also see, well, who's doing what. And yeah. they can support their child in networking and making connections. So hopefully down the line, you know, if kids are exploring, they have all these devotees that they can call up and say like, oh, can you help me out? Or what are some suggestions? Or what should I major in? You know, mm. their family ties and support are just strengthened. Mm. So. How was your experience with the conference? Yeah, it was great. I mean, you were organizing as well, but just your yeah. experience. Well, um, I, I won't go into the whole story of my life, but um, yeah. but it was a personal inspiration for me because I actually struggled a lot with 
deciding what I wanted to do. Right. And even then making a decision and then regret and then trying to change directions and all that. So um, I just felt like the kids these days needed that support. And if we could give it to them, you know, in this way, for me, it was also bringing together two things that were, again, two usually like kept separate or not acknowledged together. So, I mean, that's I like to do that because I feel like then you really start to get like to the to the heart of like some of the issues. So, mm. I just give you like I think one of the big things that came out of it, from what I've heard, is actually a lot of the kids said they felt a lot of um, confidence mm-hmm. that they got from being able to hear how they can network and how and and got that practice almost yes now it seems kind of silly like they could go somewhere else and do it too like they could get trained on whatever these things and how to give a handshake and all that kind of good stuff yeah but i think what it was was um as a devotee kid doing it with other devotees Mm -hmm. who are other professionals and you feel understood yeah you know like yeah you could do it outside but but it's not the same because there's other things going on inside you know like one of the questions that came up was you know what does it mean to be humble you know you be humble but then i'm like boasting about myself when i'm like shaking someone's hand so how does that work so those are the kinds of things that they felt like okay these people are they understand me and they're able to give me Mm -hmm. some perspective so that was to me i think that you know a very nice uh hopefully in some ways um eye-opening for for them and I, I learned a lot even from just organizing and being part of it and then another thing that came out of it was a lot of the volunteers came up to us and are like wow these kids are so cool and then you know me and Aksha are like yeah they really are but you know sometimes the kids in our temples kind of become invisible or disregarded mm. and that was really nice for them to also share with some of the elder youth in the community this is what i'm doing and yeah i do i do stuff in my life and i'm cool too i'm not just like kind of like this little scrub walking around temple because i think that happens naturally like the older you get you kind of like forget about the younger ones so i think it was a win 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 for all parties it was Mm. a lot of somehow krishna made it work it was a big experiment again really our our service the last five six years have just been like really big experimenting nice I think it's really valuable what you guys are doing. Um, do you do you have any kind of scope or anything like of of moving this out to the rest of Iskon North America? Because I I when I posted that link of that the Krishna no Iskon news article about that mm-hmm. conference, like tons of people were writing like we should do this in our temple, we should do this in our temple. So yeah. is there any kind of idea of making maybe a packet or something so we can shoot it out to different temples and see your Sunday school should do this as well and here's how you do it and here's what you should look out for and things like that. Do you guys have any plan to do that? And if uh, you don't have to say... Good question. (laughs) Really? It is. Why? Um, So yeah, I mean, obviously after the conference and the article, we've also been kind of getting reached out to like, can you you help us or can you send us resources? And so I think we've started to kind of look at that like what would that look like yeah because a lot of our materials right now are kind of in like gopika note form like kind of like my own notes and my own scratch of like planning lessons and stuff yeah so that's kind of one element i think the other element though is you know when it comes to teaching and facilitating sometimes there's this idea that okay just give me the resources and what i need and i can recreate it and the thing is it the art of teaching and facilitating is not that you just follow the script. I see, yeah, yeah. You know, there it's a very human interaction which requires practice and discussion and, and training. So I think there's a part of me that's also a little resistant to just passing out resources mm. because I don't think it'll necessarily be effective that way. You know? I see. Like just following a script. Um, and even with regards to the college conference, there was talk of like, yeah, if we do it in other temples, we should do it. And for us, you know, that college conference was the fruit of the last six years of our work. Mm. And 
getting to know this community inside and out, getting to know all of our kids inside and out and the parents and, you know, really understanding their needs. Like Akshay and I, every Sunday when we go home, that car ride is just a big debriefing mm. on our experience at Temple and what lessons we've learned today and, you know, what did we realize about the kids and growing up in Krishna consciousness and the parents and, you know, every moment leads to lessons and those lessons have built over the last six years, which kind of allowed us to sculpt this conference. I don't think we would have been able to create this six years ago. You know, I don't think we would have understood our community. That being said, I'm not sure if other communities are like our New Jersey community, mm. you know, with regards to how the kids are and the kids experience in school and do they, you know, the demographics and the parents and, mm. you know, it may or may not be. So I, I would hope that these ideas can be taken elsewhere. But I think the question of how is still a little fuzzy for me. You want to add to that? No, I mean, it's... Um, every place is different, right? And uh, that's what makes it tough. Like, it's easy to have something that's kind of, um, you know, just on paper, you know? And, and I think that's, frankly, I mean, this article was kind of, we just took it as an opportunity to put some thoughts on paper. So it was yeah. nice to be able to do that, but um, uh, how do you um, help support others to be able to execute that is um, going to be an interesting challenge um, going forward. So it's something we're working on and we're trying to do what we can right now, taking steps and trying to get feedback um, as we go. But, um, but I think it's a tough thing because obviously there's the, there's the material and then there's pe the, the person component as well. Mm. So I just have to figure out. Um, a lot of it is, is going to be about shifting mindset, too, as opposed to resources. Because mm. there is this large mindset that, you know, and it's not bad, necessarily, that we want our children to learn all of Srila Prabhupada's books and be really conversant in Srila Prabhupada's books. And, you know, that's a really wonderful sentiment, and they should be. I think my I personally just, if a child is going to public school, I feel like there's a greater goal that's more important than them learning Srila Prabhupada's book like and that is to allow them to create connection and meaning if yeah. that is sustained then they will learn Srila Prabhupada's books of course books. yeah without that there's not right you but if they learn all of Srila Prabhupada's books but they don't have a connection then they will know all the philosophy but they'll drift anyway or they'll just choose to visit the temple and you know go through the motion but really their heart's not really in it yeah you know? I think that uh you know, it's so it's so needed what you guys are doing because we cater for you know the devotees that you know are con are converts. We cater for like the really young children, but the adolescents who are kind of going through the transition that we've been discussing this whole time is like mm -hmm. I don't know many people doing it. Maybe I don't know them because I don't you know I haven't like gone to every temple, but I think it's quite unique because mostly I see adolescents they have a time where they do drift away and then maybe come back but sometimes not yeah and uh to help to kind of keep them keep them and and make them buy it in for for themselves instead of you know try to you know force it down their necks or some you know down their throats or something but actually make an environment for them so they can decide for themselves what they want right. to do is right. so amazingly uh you know needed and like what an amazing service um one thing i wanted to ask you was in the years that you've been doing this have there been any challenges where you were just like i don't want to do this anymore because uh -huh. i know because i know in any because i know in every service there's that there's yeah. i you know we do all kinds of services with our other devotees and i think every person can say that there's always been a time where it's been some kind of experience with a devotee or some kind of experience with internally or whatever that yeah. it's just like I don't want to do this anymore because it's it's not inspiring. I'm not getting anywhere. Uh, I don't like this person. This person doesn't like me. Whatever it may be, but yeah. tell us about that because I I see Absolutely. from your body language that yeah. you do have some experience of that. I mean, I think if you talk to any teacher, yes. you will hear from them that there are days where you drive home and you question yourself, why did I choose this profession? <laughs> Really? Yeah, absolutely. There are also days where you're like, I would never do anything else with my life. But I think that just becomes, that's the heart of a teacher when you're really, and it's a battlefield. It really is. Right. Um, but I think what's specifically with regards to the service, I mean, 
you know, um, it, it has been a journey teaching Sunday school the last five years. And in the beginning, I mean, I, there were times where I taught in the hallway and, you know, oh, right. the kids were being shifting around. So that was kind of one level of discouragement of like, not, we're not being taken seriously, not being taken seriously or, or feeling important enough. And, you know, kind of fought through that and that was great. And we now have like dedicated spaces for our kids. But I think even over the years, um, and this has been a, a personal battle with my ego as well, but just feeling valued in the service because teaching Sunday school is often seen as not innovative, like not cool. Mm. Like, so, you know, when we share with our peers that we're teaching Sunday school, it was kind of like, yeah, cool, yeah, you're teaching Sunday school, right? Yeah, oh, good little gopika, like going to temple, like teaching the kids, you know? That was kind of the attitude. And, yeah. and for, for me and for both of us at times, you know, like we're, we're really trying to do something innovative here. We're trying to push the boundaries. But, you know, when you're upstairs in Tawako Temple on the third floor in the corner of the attic and you're like doing this stuff and everyone's just like, oh, yeah, you just teach Sunday school, whatever. It can feel disheartening, mm. you know, but um, that's where the commitment factor really saves you. And I have a lot to be grateful for for the kids because you know, they keep us coming back every Sunday to temple despite life. I mean, there are many Sundays where it's like, I wouldn't have gone had I not had this service. And because of them, you know, every Sunday when I take darshan before we leave, it's like, okay, whatever I did today, Krishna, at least I can offer it to you and you can see it, you know? So I think that's, that's been the challenge over the years is, you know, we did this really progressive thing in college doing bhakti club and sacred sounds. And it was kind of like a buzz and, then you go to teaching Sunday school and then you're kind of seen as like, you don't have anything to offer mm. ISKCON because you're just, you're just, you know, babysitting and taking care of the kids. And that's so, how nice, mm. oh, what a nice service you're doing. But that feeling of like, no, I, I'm doing something creative and innovative, Yes, you know? And so it was funny, like after we re-ran the conference, like so many people came up to us and they were like, oh, Kshkopika, like, wow, so amazing, so progressive, so innovative. And I mean, I'm, I'm really grateful for the support and encouragement, but for, for both of us, we were kind of like, yeah, I mean, you know, this is not really outside of what we've been doing in yes. terms of our internal thought process yeah. for the last yeah, six yeah. years. So I think that being seen factor has been a challenge, but I'm also grateful because yeah. it's forced us to deal with our egos, at least for me, like my ego of feeling seen and important and valued that at the end of the day, like doing my service has to be more than how I'm seen for it. So, you know, Krishna has his way of purifying you and I'm grateful for the kids for that commitment factor because, you know, they make you stick it through. Yeah. It kept me consistent coming to temple. and. So. I, th I think I'm really guilty of... of uh thinking about you know you, oh, Sunday school is so nice you guys yeah, are no. doing that but okay. but no but from being a parent and a new parent and just kind of looking more deeper into what children's experiences are I've just got this newfound appreciation for you guys but uh, tell me uh from my what my question was uh if you have anything to add challenges or no I think she said it perfectly she said it perfectly yeah. okay cool yeah definitely oh wow um this is probably one of my favorite podcasts. This is really, really? yeah, yeah, Aww. really. This is super fascinating. I'm so fascinated by this whole subject because yeah. it's just, it's just, uh, it's just, uh, we're not thinking about it enough that yeah. how we're going to pass this movement forward to our next generation. It's kind of, okay, let's just get new people, new people, new people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what about the people we have? Let's try to boil yeah. the milk. You know, Prabhupada said, right. we should not boil the milk. And I think that's, it's a fact. What's our time? Uh, on the bottom there? Uh, 58. 58, okay. Um, yeah. Do you have any um, final thoughts you'd like to share? Either from the article or just anything. Uh, oh, what I wanted before that, I wanted to ask you about your 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 job right now. Yeah. So you teach uh, public school. Yeah, I do. Tell us yes. about that. So I teach in um, a town called South Orange, Maplewood in New Jersey and I used to teach middle school science but now currently I'm teaching high school psychology so I teach AP Whoa, psychology I didn't know that really yeah I didn't know I, I thought you were still teaching <laughs> I thought you were still teaching science okay yeah. wow AP psychology yeah nice it's really fun 
It's so great um, because you can really have some great conversations with the students and I've learned a lot about discussion and, you know, carrying some of those techniques over to Sunday school and mm -hmm. youth discussions. But that's what I'm doing right now and I love it because, you know, there's some spiritual overlap with psychology. Of course. So for me, there's like more of those worlds coming together. There's a whole unit on consciousness and Whoa. there's meditation involved in there. So it makes me feel like, okay, I can kind of, and like motivation in life. Like, why do we do what we do? Yes. I can kind of get more. I, I remember a few months ago, you had Aksh, uh, you come in, play Murdunga for something. And you taught something about... A few about, years ago. Yeah. Well, what, was that anything... That was in middle school. That was in middle school. Yeah. Okay. So what happened there was um, my coworker was teaching social studies. And okay. in eighth grade, there is a Hinduism unit. Ah, I see. I see. Okay. So... Now um, you know what they teach you in Hinduism. <laughs> Indiana Jones or something like that. <laughs> yeah. The obligatory, you know, polytheistic stuff. Yes. But um, my, my coworker is really cool. And, you know, I got a relationship with her eventually to actually, like, come out and tell her I was a Hare Krishna and felt oh, comfortable okay. enough telling her. And so she wanted us to come in and, and share about our perspective and our, you know, our, our religion or our practice of Hinduism, what it looked like for us. So, yeah, yeah we went in and we, we talked about bhakti yoga and how it was, the like, the yoga of devotion and love towards one God and building a relationship. And so yeah. you do that through offering food. And we talked about Lord Chaitanya and how he was, wow. like, a revolutionary and fighting all political caste systems of the time. And then oh. Srila Prabhupada. And it was such a wonderful experience for me to be able to be in public school yeah. as a teacher and talk about... I didn't call myself a Hare Krishna. I'm still a yes. little frightful of that, yes. given all of the stigma. Of course. Um, but to kind of really be open about my faith and, you know. Wow. And the kids really were responsive to it. And even my coworkers, to the point where sometimes they'll still reference, like, bhakti yoga in conversation and that they mentioned it to their friends. Like, oh, you should try this bhakti yoga thing, my coworker. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Amazing how you can affect people in, in different yeah. ways. Akshay, what do you do? What do I do? Yeah. Work-wise, yes. Um, I work in uh, at a marketing firm okay. in New York City. Yes, and um, I work with different clients, but mostly like healthcare, pharma, pharmaceutical clients, because that's where I did my you know training as a pharmacist. You're a pharmacist by education. Yeah. Right. Oh, wonderful. Cool. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So I guess we can. Uh, I want to do like a quick fire round. Okay. Which is uh, at the end of every episode, I kind of ask a certain question. Your top three uh, pet peeves. Oh my God, I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> <laughs> See, you can't be prepared for everything. Oh, no. <laughs> um, Maybe your top one. <laughs> I'll make it easier. What's my top pet peeve? You should probably ask Aksh. Um, you can think about it, Aksh. Dirty dishes. Dirty dishes, okay. Dirty dishes, or um, I hate when people like say they'll do something and then they like don't. Yes. Like that bothers me always. Right. So. Um. Uh. Name something that someone that people may not know about you. Um. I'm a Bharatanatyam dancer. I used to be, not anymore. And <laughs> nice. um, I was a flutist in high school. That's right. I remember that. Made all state. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, I'll pass. You'll pass? Okay. Uh, okay, last question. If you were on a deserted island yeah. and you could only bring three things. Mm, um. Jump a bag. Yes. Um, just the bag. Well, the beads, obviously. <laughs> does, 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 does that count as three? Like, no, jump no, no, a no. bag, beads, counter. <laughs> um, yeah, my beads, um, water, and my phone so I could call someone so I could be rescued. Very nice. You okay. Murdunga. Um, <laughs> so you can play on the, on the island by yourself. That actually is probably would seem very nice for him. <laughs> Um, probably one of those beacon thingies so that you can call for help. Yeah, yeah. And actually, you know what? I don't need anything else because I would love to stay there by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say. You guys have been married for how long now? Three and a bit. Yeah. Three and a bit. Nice, nice. How's yeah. that been? You first. <laughs> oh, it's been yeah, great. This is yeah. Part of the interview. Yeah. 
Um, it's been really nice. I mean, obviously, ups and downs and of course. learning about each other. But I think that um, for us, one of, I mean, for me, I'll speak for myself, but one of my favorite parts of being married is actually being able to do this service together. Right. Like that car ride home on Sundays has got to be like the favorite part of my week. Really? I think it really, it's the inspiration and knowing that you're sharing this experiment with someone it, it keeps you know Krishna consciousness exciting and mm. life meaningful because if life is just about like the you know the cleaning the house and the management of the you know operations of the daily living work laundry etc etc it's it, it can get like you know boring stale. and stale yes so that our Sundays is like a it's fun wonderful yeah well um, no one person's good at everything so certainly mm -hmm. I'm not and, uh, um, what's been really nice is that um, I feel like in some ways we're so opposite but that helps each other grow yeah. and kind of uh, support each other in that way so that's been really nice awesome Awesome. So, okay. Thank you guys so much for coming. I, I just wanted to say I really admire you guys so much, even though we've all grown up together. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I kind of, I don't know, in the past year or so, I just gotten more interested in what people do and what their lives are about as opposed to my own life and just kind of being more self-centered. That's kind of what this podcast is about, is I like really like diving into what people are about, my close friends and also people that I know are into interesting things. So just know that I, I support you and I admire you guys a lot and, uh, and I'm really fascinated by you and, and, I, and I hope that the ISKCON world can um, benefit from your, what you have to share. And um, also something I do is if anyone wants to get in contact with you guys, how can they do the email? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so should I say it? Yes. My email is gopikasharma108 at gmail.com. gopikasharma108 at go, uh, gmail. And yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, so, so thank you so much for coming. Really appreciate it. And Thanks for uh, having us. This yeah. is fun. Yes, it's super fun, wasn't it? Yeah. It wasn't that. Uh, well, you know, it's pretty scary, but once <laughs> with the you lights get past and all. That, yeah. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Thank you guys. Take Bye. care. Hi, Thanks, viewers. Hi,